Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of The Speculist, and you can find us online at speculist.com. That's S-P-E-C-U-L-I-S-T.com. Or you can go straight to the blog at blog.speculist.com. At The Speculist and on Fast Forward Radio, we talk about what's happening in the world today, and we talk about where we think the world is going. We take a rather unusual view of where we think the world is going. We think the world, as we're going to discuss tonight, is getting better all the time. We think something's going to happen, something wonderful. And we think if you're not excited about the future, you're not paying attention. So we'll be getting into all that a little bit later. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me here in the virtual studio is my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? I'm super fantastic. How are you, my friend? I'm pumped up as well. Looking forward to a great show tonight. This is going to be a fun one because we're talking about our favorite thing, which is uh, good news. And we've That's got a right. big pile of it that we, can, uh, that, that we can work through. So I think we're going to have, uh, have a good time with that. If ever there was a time to do a show on Better All the Time, it's, it's after this week. Uh, the, the market being the way it was and everything, we, it's, it's time for a little good news. Yeah, let's you know, let's. There, there's there's been some grim news. I mean, it, it never. It, there's there's never a shortage of grim news. We should note, but uh, sure. it does seem like it does seem like there's just been uh, uh, a, a lot of gloom and doom, uh, particularly around the markets, and you know, a lot of panic and a lot of people feeling ill ill at ease. So let's you know, let's talk some good news tonight. I think that's uh, that's going to be very refreshing, and hopefully get everybody off to a uh, to to a good week coming up. And uh, that's well. That's that's basically the plan. Before we get into that, we can introduce our chat host, Michael Darling. Hello, Michael. Hey, good evening. How are you? I'm great. Got nothing to uh, complain about. Nothing at all. <laughs> well, good. All right. Well, see, he's poised. He's poised to talk some good news. Nothing to complain about. We'd we'd probably have to hit the mute button if you started complaining anyway. <laughs> um, there was a reference earlier on the call before the broadcast started to someone whining. And I think that, uh, well, we won't say who it was, but but just that we've moved on and there won't be any whining on the program tonight. This is a wine-free zone tonight. That's absolutely. We're going to be completely wine-free, W-H-I-N-E. Now, you know, we might get into a nice Cabernet or something like that, but that's a, that's a different deal altogether. So um, just to kick it off, any big sports updates? I was going uh, to boast about the Broncos beating uh, New Orleans, but then uh, – you kind of burst my bubble on that one, Stephen, by saying you didn't watch the game and aren't really all that interested. Although I think you're really a huge fan, and this is like your defense mechanism. <laughs> That's right. I'm 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 in deep deep cover as a uh, as a Saints fan, I guess. <laughs> but it's uh, I, congratulations to the Denver Broncos uh, for their win over the New Orleans Saints. Um, I got, but I have to brag on the, uh, the other uh, Louisiana, great, other great Louisiana team, LSU. In their yes. victory over Auburn, they were down at the half, uh, fourteen to three, and then charged back and won it. Very exciting game all the way through. So, all right, well, good for uh, good for LSU and uh, good for the good for the Broncos. They just from the NFL standpoint, today was kind of the speculus bowl, right? Because we had New Orleans and Denver in the same game. Now, if uh, that's right, if you, if University of Colorado ever plays LSU, that also would be a speculus bowl, no doubt of, uh, of sorts. Um, well, I guess as much as uh, Seeing as you don't live in New Orleans, I guess really it'd be just as close. Well, I see Harvey in the chat room says Cubs win. Is that true, Michael? The Cubs have clinched their division and are guaranteed a uh, uh, first-round playoff appearance. And uh, we're waiting now to see who the rest of the National League teams will be. It's going to be uh, it's going to be the Dodgers, I think, in the West, and two teams from the East, Phillies and the Mets. 
that'll round it out, and we're uh, we're off to the races. Okay. Hey, is it just me, or is anybody else getting a little uh, catch in Michael's voice there? Yeah, he sounds like he's calling from a helicopter. Um, maybe you want to hang up and dial back in, Michael. We'll see if we can correct that problem. All right. Hopefully, if that's if that's our big audio glitch for the night, then we'll be doing very well. No doubt, no doubt. And uh, the show will just continue to improve, getting better, <laughs> better. all the time. <laughs> now, that's I want right. to give uh, an update on our most recent coffee mug competition. Last week, we uh, said we would give a coffee mug to the person with the best meme. We, we actually had a caller who, who came in with a, with a great uh, meme that she wanted to kill, but I decided, well, that didn't actually fit the, the prize criteria. So even though we valued your, uh, uh, your input uh, last week, Sally, um, we're going to give the mug to Mike D., who, who contributed uh, a meme about memes, which I think is uh, very cool. I'm calling that a meta-meme. And we use that actually as our quote of the week in uh, this week's uh, Better All the Time feature. And uh, this, is what, this is what Mike wrote. He wrote, the first rule of killing memes is to not talk about the memes you want to kill. And then he goes on and explains. Memes are like Obi-Wan. If you strike them down, they will only grow stronger. So <laughs> now, <laughs> what, uh, this, this works for me on a couple levels. First, uh, it, it works because uh, I think it's completely true. And secondly, he's speaking my language when, when he quotes uh, Star Wars at me like that. So um, I, I, I thought that was a great example. Oh, that's, uh, I wanted to bring that back around to whining. Uh, what was the... Uh, what, what, what was the uh, uh, the warning that you gave about whining earlier before the program started, Stephen? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, that one. Oh. <laughs> we wanted to go to Tashi Station to buy some power converters. Is that what you were talking about? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to go to Tashi Station to get some power converters. Yeah, the, one of the great movie whines of all time, Luke Skywalker in the first Star Wars. And, then, and here, here we have uh, uh, Mike D. talking about we, we all remember that Obi-Wan's, I mean, most of us probably remember. Anyway, I'm proud to say I remember that Obi-Wan said, uh, you can't win to Darth Vader if you strike me down. Uh, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And I think that's probably true, that, uh, in fact, we probably don't want to spend time in the future. We said we'd be talking about memes in the future. In the future, we probably don't want to talk about the ones we want to kill. We want to talk about the ones we want to promote. Because right. we're, actually, we're actually giving attention to the uh, to the bad ones if we talk about them and and uh, we might kill them or we might make those who like them all the more likely to defend them or we might actually introduce the idea to someone who'd never heard it before and then it takes off on its own through our efforts to get rid of it so so I thought that was uh, a great point Mike and if you're listening um, you need to uh, drop us a line uh, on the email address that's that's uh, shown on the Speculus homepage there for emails and uh, let us know where to ship your coffee mug. So we got a big winner there, and I have an update on our presidential coffee mug competition. Um, All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I figured everybody. Was, I'm, 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 I'm pumped. What? <laughs> Do tell. Everybody would be excited to hear about that. Well, maybe Stephen, real quick, if you just want to recap uh, what's going on with that, I don't want to uh, dominate okay. the show here. What? Okay. Well, this this is a contest between the two candidates that I'm. They may not even be aware that they're in. It's. Uh, um, how, how could they not be? What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, after all, the show is uh, listened to by literally tens of people. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, but anyway, this 
contest uh, that they're in is uh, whichever candidate um, lays out the most speculatious plan um, to uh, you know, or you know, either a policy pro- proposal or even. I don't know. Says something truly geeky between now and the election. Uh, we'll win this contest and win this coffee cup, and we'll figure out a way to send them the coffee cup. So yeah, it's, we'll, it's, we'll, a, it's we'll, for real. We'll, it's a real contest. This is a real competition, and we really are judging it. Now, I have uh, I, I have changed the way it's working just a little bit this week, and uh, here's what I've decided to do. Now, earlier this week, um, John Tierney uh, published a piece in the New York Times Science blog. John Tierney is the like official science, I don't think he's the science editor, but he seems to be like the science blogger and like the science expert at the New York Times. So he he, he writes this uh, kind of separate website connected to the New York Times site about uh, about science. And he had a rundown on where the two presidential candidates stand on various science issues. So I mailed that out to you and to Michael, and I said, hey, we should take all this into consideration and then, Stephen, you wrote back with some thoughts, and Michael wrote back with some thoughts. And I got looking at this, and I realized, oh, I see how I'm going to have to do this from now on. So the way this is going to work uh, from here on in is I'm going to be the sole arbiter and judge as to uh, who's winning the uh, presidential coffee mug competition. Well, and, and I, I feel like uh, you're probably uh, uh, the, the fair judge here, Phil, because uh, you're uh, of us three, you are quite clearly the least partisan. So, oh, well, you know, thank you very much. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna give my two reasons, which were one, it's much easier for me, and uh, two, I'm the one ordering the cups. So I yeah. thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the man who orders the cups gets to, <laughs> the, you know, it's like I get to pick because it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you guys say, I'm gonna send it to whoever I send it to. So, uh, <laughs> however, I do appreciate your input, and we will continue. Uh, you can, of course. Uh, take me to task on uh, on my conclusions, but I just want to run through these issues because I, I thought this was really interesting. This so so this kind of puts in additional context on what we've said so far. We talked about where they both stand initially. We talked about where they both stand on energy, and uh, the the competition really opened with with uh, Senator Obama saying some great stuff about what he wanted to do with flex fuels and uh, and and improving energy policy. We gave we gave him a point for that. Uh, John McCain the next week gave his speech had great things to say about energy. We gave him a point for that. And then working down the list uh, provided by Tierney and, and a few notes uh, from, from the two of you on education, uh, both candidates advocate policies to help develop a highly skilled workforce. Um, now, Senator Obama wants to, wants to improve education by giving tax breaks to people for college tuition, wants to improve the Pell Grant program. McCain um, wants to put $250 million into a program to help states expand online education. I really like the sound of online education, so I like both those programs. They both get a point for that. National security. And again, we're talking specifically where science is concerned. Obama would put his administration on a path to doubling federal spending on basic defense research. Uh, McCain also is way in favor of it, but he doesn't get as specific. He says uh, America needs to retain the edge. So I'm going to give two points on that one to Obama won to McCain. On health care, um, this, is, this is kind of a tricky one because it's, it's hard not to get into politics when you start talking about health care. As, as, yeah. as, as, as soon as you introduce these ideas, it, it immediately sounds like you're advocating a policy position. And I'm actually going to talk about uh, ends, not means here. So, um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be challenged, but once again, I am the one ordering the mug. Um, so um, Obama wants to, ultimately, his plan is 
universal health care. That is to make sure that there's no one in the country who doesn't receive treatment. Um, and his plan for doing this is via uh, kind of a, a bottom-of-tier national insurance program that makes sure that uh, everybody else who doesn't have insurance any other way will get it this way, if, if I understand it correctly. And if I don't, Michael, you can step in and set me straight. But um, not talking about the means, talking about the end. Universal coverage, making sure everybody has health care, speculicious idea, absolutely. That's, uh, that's one of the kinds of ideas we talk about eliminating poverty. We talk about uh, eliminating drudgery work. We talk about fighting aging. And, hey, yeah, everybody in the world, or in the world ultimately, but in this country who needs health care gets it. I'm going to give him a point for that one. Now, McCain uh, is talking about um, putting some incentives in place for people to to get their own health insurance, okay? So ultimately, this is seen by some as giving uh, em employers an incentive to stop providing health benefits. And I actually think this, too, is a worthy end. I think that um, the separation of employment from health insurance uh, is, is probably a, a very decentralized uh, uh, method of uh, moving ahead with with healthcare, so um, I would give him a kind of an army of David's point there on uh, on that, and so I would give McCain a point, Obama a point on healthcare. On space, they both say they want to revitalize the space program. McCain uh, wants to develop new technologies to take Americans to the moon, Mars, and beyond. Um, Obama wants to uh, reestablish a White House Space Council to coordinate. Um, What's it say here? I like what to Sally. coordinate all the nation's space efforts. I'm sorry. I was just saying I, I like Sally's comment in the in the chat room. Uh, she she says uh, we'll only get universal health care when we get those nanobots cranked up. Well, Healthy. see that that's ends ends versus means exactly. There right. you go. I, exactly. I, I, I believe in uh, universal health care, um, probably via a different mean than uh, than than uh, government intervention, but. But I like the idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Finally. Um, oh, so so anyway, if you add all that up, okay. Um, that uh, I, oh, I'm sorry. What what did I say? So so uh, Obama wants to reestablish the White House Space Council, and uh, McCain is talking specifically about going to the moon, Mars, and beyond. I'm going to give McCain an additional point there. Add it all up, and guess what we got? We have a tie, maybe, or close to it. We have a tie. Currently, we have a tie. So uh, I, as I've said before, I think this is going to all go down to the debates. But I did want to share one story from uh, James Taranto in the best of the best of the web today. Now, um, I, I'm getting in the back channel that we might be getting too political. If this if this sounds like politics, I don't intend for it to. This is uh, I'm talking about whether the candidates are being uh, speculatious in, in in what they're talking about. And right. what? Uh, let me know in the chat room, folks, if you think uh, we we don't want to carry on with this contest. What are we getting in the chat room? Looks like. Like no, we're doing okay in the chat the room. We're uh, we're extrapolating on the uh, the nanobot medicine. <laughs> yeah, as the way by, as the way by which we get the universal health care. Right. Okay. So so here's the story. Here's the story from Best of the Web. Of course, Wall Street Journal. James Taranto. Obviously, he's not going to be an Obama favoring person. So there is going to be a political edge to this, which I'm not as interested in that as I am in kind of the. Uh, where this puts it. So let me just read this. Okay, a new television ad released Wednesday by Senator Barack Obama's campaign highlights the closure of Corning's plant in State College, Pennsylvania, 
and accuses Washington with Senator John McCain's help of selling out the workers. And uh, Tarano goes on to write, so what did Corning make at the plant? The ad doesn't say, but the AP story does, glass tubes for television sets and computer monitors. And he goes on to write, in modern times, the CRT has given way to superior technologies such as plasma and liquid crystal, which take up less space and provide superior picture quality. This is an enormous blessing to all Americans who watch TV or use computers. It's hard to imagine a more backward-looking position than mourning the decline of the picture tube industry. And then he goes on, and this, this is where it gets pretty political. What will Obama do next? Promise to restore American supremacy in the manufacture of buggy whips, iron lungs, and floppy disks? Okay. I, I think that, <laughs> that's a cheap shot, and forget that part. What, 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 I, would, what I would say from that is, um, you know, no points off for uh, Senator Obama feeling the need to, you know, if you want to make the case to keep jobs in the country and, you know, whatever the, whatever the political argument is there, fine. You make your argument, McCain, you make your argument. The jobs have to go overseas. They have to stay here, whatever. Here's where he missed an opportunity, right? This is what, here's what I'd like to hear McCain say or Obama say, right? Specifically Obama, since he's the one we're picking on. You know, this is where I'd like for him to talk about how he's going to take all this uh, 250 mil, or I'm sorry, this uh, twice as much money that he's putting into DARPA, which is going to put us back in the lead for, uh, make America the leader for computer and video display technologies, right? That's, that's how I want him to frame that argument. I want him to, when, 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 uh, when, when he's making a case about jobs moving overseas, and he's talking about increasing science research. So, Senator, if you're listening, this is just, if you want to win the mug, this is how you need to frame these arguments. That's all I'm saying. So, and, and I think um, you raise a good point, Stephen, when you say, we're looking for them to. We're looking for who's going to say the geekiest thing between now and the and the election. I, I think this is the this is the competition where we're looking for who of these two men is running for the office of geek in chief. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and whoever establishes with us that he's running for geek in chief, that's going to be the winner of the uh, of the coffee mug. As we've said, all they have to do is say space elevator. And uh, they're in the running. We also came up with a few others this week. Nanobot, if I hear either McCain or uh, Obama say nanobot or utility fog, if they mention the technological singularity, if they use the phrase actuarial escape velocity, if they talk about spray-on solar collectors, and uh, if they talk about the holodeck paradox. Any of that, if we hear any of that from either of those candidates, boom, Um, they win. Yeah, exactly. Holodeck paradox. If either of them say that, it's just over. You know, the uh, holodeck absolutely. paradox. I, I will. I will purchase the mug and ship it immediately because uh, nobody's <laughs> nobody can possibly come back from the other candidate using that phrase. I think so. Yeah. So that's that's where we are with that right now. It's a tie, and uh, we've given uh, given them both a little, you know, some strategic uh, uh, direction there. So we'll uh, we'll monitor the debates uh, as they come, and hopefully we'll have a. Uh, a further update um, in coming weeks. Absolutely. This is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're going to be talking about good news and our Better All the Time Roundup. And if you'd like to join our conversation, we've got a lively chat going on in the on-live chat room, or you can call us at 347-215-8972. So let's get into talking a little uh, better all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, this is a feature we've been – I was just looking back. I don't know how long we've been doing this, actually. I know we've done 36 of them now, it, just counting the numbered editions, um, but I don't know when it started. I think it probably goes back to fairly early days of the blog. 
Well, um, we had talked a little bit about uh, doing it. Uh, the, the same the same meeting, Phil, when you and I met for the first time at the Rocky Mountain uh, Blogger Convention or whatever, um, where and we talked about starting Fast Forward Radio. We also talked about ways to you know uh, features that we could have uh, uh, within the Speculist, and I, it wasn't long after that that I believe that the first Better All the Time was published. So. Sort I think that's that. probably right. So when would that have been? Like four years ago? Yeah, right? that was that was 2004, fall of 2004. So that's okay. So yeah, we're probably right around the fourth anniversary of Better All the Time. And sometimes I'm I've been more we've been more prolific getting them out. Sometimes less. Um, for a while, we had replaced Better All the Time with its own standalone standalone blog, which was called L2SI, and it kind of had its own little arc about. Uh, I think it went out of business about a year ago, but it had run that same kind of news there for a while. And then we came, then we brought brought it back home to the Speculist, and it's been here ever since. And I've been trying uh, for the past what's it been? Probably month and a half. I've been trying to get one out every two weeks, and ultimately that's my goal is to do one every two weeks. And basically, the the idea behind Better All the Time is to provide a roundup of good news that uh, people probably haven't had an opportunity to catch elsewhere uh, to um, to talk about, you know, we, we were talking about how there's there's never a shortage of uh, of bleak news, but actually there's 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 actually not a shortage of good news either. You just you, you have to filter it out. You have to go look for it. Right. And more often than not, the good news comes in the realm of science and technology. That's where we see, I think, the most exciting developments. And I think the uh, the, the really profound changes, the ones that that promise to bring unexpected, uh, discontinuous improvements into our lives, are the ones that are coming about. Uh, particularly, you see in medicine, but but also in energy, um, in computer technology, really across the board in, in science and technology, you see these amazing developments. But we don't limit it to that. So we we put in any uh, any good news, any story that fits the the basic mold of good news can. Uh, can, can become a better all the time story and and uh, we have varied how many we do, but I've got it down now to a science and we you know it's that that little picture table holds three rows and three columns of pictures so nine pictures means we do nine good news stories plus a plus a quote of the week and um, Phil uh, tell, uh, tell us again uh, tell the audience again uh, your inspiration for the title better all the time and the concept better all the time. Uh, well, the the uh, title and the concept they come from the book. Uh, it's getting better all the time, which we referred to. Gosh, uh, what was that about a month a month ago? I guess we were maybe a little more than that. We were talking about I can't remember the the topic that led to us. Oh, we were talking about the speculist essentials. That's we were right. Talking about the 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 books and uh, the the ideas that had uh, most strongly influenced us. And this was a book that John Smart had suggested. That uh, that I really need to read, and it's called "It's Getting Better All the Time." Let me just grab it. I got my copy as well. Uh, after, I, I, after, have, I, I have it here in my my side of the virtual studio. I'm sorry, you were saying. I, what what I thought was uh, what's an interesting little antidote about this book is that, you know, it, it, the very fact that it's published uh, sort of goes against the grain. I mean, it, it it's an acknowledgement that bad things continue. Bad things do happen, but if you look at the overall picture. You know, uh, things are getting better all the time. And what I mean by that is that the book itself was published posthumously. 
Uh, it was it was it was posthumous for um, Julian for Simon. Moore. Uh, excuse me, for Julian Simon. And yeah. Stephen Moore was the was the author who who compiled his work into into this format. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess what, what, I guess my point is that um, you know. Uh, obviously, bad thing. Uh, you know, something bad happened to Julian Simon. Uh, but that that overall, I mean, civilization keeps marching on, uh, regardless of the bad things that happen to we individuals. Uh, you know, and 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 that march has been an upward march all along. So absolutely, absolutely. Well, and and what's what's really cool about uh, this book, and the reason I, I wanted to reach over and grab the copy is the the um, the subtitle is "The Hundred Greatest Trends of the Last One Hundred Years," and it could just as easily have been a thousand greatest trends of the last 1,000 years if, if, if one wanted to take the time to look. And uh, Simon was big on actuarial tables, and a lot of the data that's shown in the book, the, the book is almost all um, pictures. It's, it's almost all graphs showing uh, how much longer lifespan is or uh, how, how much uh, uh, the extent to which infant mortality has been reduced, et cetera, et cetera. And you can look at those statistics and you realize that that there has been this incredible um, improvement in the human condition in so many different areas over the last, in his case, he used you know the last century, um, that it's just almost, if, if, if you want to be objective about it, inarguable that tremendous improvements are occurring, it, it's, which is not to say uh, that bad things aren't happening. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not to say that bad things won't continue to happen or that, that nothing bad ever happens. But um, the, the actual trend is for uh, life to be better, for, uh, for us to live longer, for us to live healthier, for us to have more and to be freer and to enjoy um, a, a greater understanding of our world than has been available to any previous generation of humanity. And, you know, the, the, I the just opened the book at random here, Phil. Um, mm-hmm. A hundred years ago, the maternal death rate, uh, women given... Uh, uh, dying in childbirth uh, was a hundred times greater than it is today. Uh, but in 1950, the maternal death rate was ten times greater than it is today. By the 1980s, only one in ten thousand women died giving birth. And that's you there know you that's go. just one example in. I mean, this thing's full of uh, of examples like that. Uh, how and basically, and, and this since this book was uh, published in the late 90s, the hundred years that they're referring to is basically the 20th century. Right and um, you know decline in violence and everything, even in a century marked by you know huge world wars, uh, the decline in violence overall. I mean, just just you know completely slashed as the century wore on. So, remarkable book. Absolutely, and and where where I went from that book was uh, a realization that um, one one doesn't have to just collect the, 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 the big trends and draw graphs of them if one wants to document the fact the world's getting better all the time. One can grab the individual stories because they're appearing every day. And uh, I, I actually wish it was my full-time job to do better all the time. I think I would, uh, I, I would, I would love that. I, would, I, I think I could probably do four or five a day uh, if, if, if time permitted. As it is, I do nine every other week and uh, feel like I'm uh, – well, I wish that were your full-time job, Phil. I would be reading your your output. Um, if somebody wants to uh, hire Phil for to do that full-time, you yeah, know, you know, go just for it. we we had to set something up there to get that going. That would actually <laughs> right. that, that that would be cool. But but it would it, it would in fact be a full-time job for a, a, a whole team of people because there there are that many 
um, positive, amazing positive developments. And I, I want to start with one. Um, I'm just, I'm, I, actually, here's one thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to put the links to the most recent Better All the Times up in the chat room. Okay. So our friends in the chat room, did that show up? I don't know that it did. I don't see a link yet, Phil. Huh. Try again. <laughs> well, it's not letting me. Okay. But, <laughs> you go ahead, and I'll, I'll figure out a way to get it done, okay? Okay, thanks. Um, uh, I'm just going to randomly select uh, some stories from the uh, – from, from the most recent, the four most recent better all the times, and uh, hopefully we can put those links up there. They're also on the Speculist, uh, if anyone wants to just kind of browse through and, and talk about some favorite ones. But but this is from uh, the one dated August 21st. This was better all the time number 34, and I did a little story called Spuds of Life, and the headline was Potatoes May Hold the Key to an Alzheimer's Treatment, and the story here is that a virus that infects potatoes uh, works a lot like and looks a lot like one of the key proteins implicated in Alzheimer's disease. And researchers have uh, figured out that if you develop antibodies, uh, or excuse me, that antibodies they have developed against that virus uh, appear to be effective against Alzheimer's disease. So um, doing research in mice, they've, they've taken mice who, um, who have that uh, amylite beta protein associated with Alzheimer's disease, um, and they've injected these mice with uh, w this protein that was developed to to be a, a, an antidote to this potato blight, and sure enough, it's killing the Alzheimer's protein in the mouse brain. So what we're saying here is that a potato virus and the treatment that we've developed in response to a potato virus uh, could hold the cure for Alzheimer's disease. Now, Stephen, this, I think, as well as anything you could possibly point out, is just a fantastic example of what we were talking about last week on the, the idea of Spock's chessboard. Of exactly. The idea. See, we have, you know, it's, it's absolutely impossible for even the smartest and most plugged-in person to say what will be the total uh, consequence of any development even they make Okay, I mean you 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 uh, you you learn something about potato viruses, and all, and and all of a sudden it becomes uh, the answer to some human disease. I'm I'm sure the people that were working on the potato viruses had <laughs> had no clue that that's where the, that research would take them. But uh, you know, right. yeah, I mean they're doing good work. They're doing something important. They're working right. on developing a treatment for a for a potato blight and uh so potatoes well, so we can have have plenty to eat which is very important yeah. part but i'm sure they had no they had no clue that it would lead to a treatment for disease in humans yeah the, the idea that it would that, that it could lead to a treatment for any human disease much less something as catastrophic and uh something that you know that that we would so dearly like to be able to do something about as much as alzheimer's disease is just astounding to me and you you start to multiply that by you know all the things that we're just now beginning to understand. If 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 we just realize today that ah, well you you know you can apply a little bit of what we've done in in potato blight research and apply it to fighting Alzheimer's disease and realize all the different areas of research that are going on, all the different things that people are learning, all the different things that people are developing, and how each of these can be applied in different ways. Uh, you know, uh, there 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 are just so many ways. 
that our world can be improved for the better. There's so many good things sitting out there, you know, ready to change our world in ways that we can't even imagine. Uh, last week, Michael Darling uh, pointed to a uh, TED Talk uh, by Sirkin Robinson. And at the beginning of that talk, he says, you know, uh, you know, they were in the middle of this conference, and he says, I've just been impressed throughout this conference by the, the amount of human creativity. That the, you know, that's what this conference seems to have focused on is, the, uh, uh, is, is how creative humans can be. Uh, and he says, but that's led to the situation where nobody has any clue how, you know, what's going to happen next. And so he says, really, the skill that needs to be taught is creativity. It's as important as literacy, is what he was arguing. And uh, I thought it was a, a profound point, and I appreciate Michael Darling bringing it out last week. And, I, you know, I think the, the, the point there is absolutely right. You know, if we're going to capitalize on the environment that we're in, this rapidly changing environment, this, this what I describe as this uh, rapidly changing, rapidly improving world, it's going to take, above all, creativity just to make these connections, just right. just to be able to make the leap from uh, potato virus to um, Alzheimer's, you know, and, and whatever, you know, multiply that by a thousand other possible eurekas that are, that are waiting to happen. Right. Exactly. So I'm now getting these links in there. I think people are seeing links now. Is that right? Yeah, I see a link. One of them got in there anyway. Yeah, one. See this one that's... Well, I can only apparently I can only do one link at a time. Anyway, yeah. uh, folks in the chat room, if you want to go to the speculist, and uh, the links are there. If, yeah. uh, if you're if you're looking for good news stories, so that's my that's my initial pick. Stephen, do you have uh, do you have one you want to talk about? Well, let's uh, let's go to the, the, your latest one. Um, anything into oil? Now, it, you, you included a truly disgusting picture uh, in, in, that, in that story. It, Thank you. you it, I mean, it is pretty gross. So if if, uh, if you're uh, sitting there munching on some popcorn listening to the show, put your popcorn aside And uh, if you're going to look at this picture. What it is is... Uh, I, I, will, I will say that, that you don't know it's disgusting until you read it. Because yeah. Because if I was just looking at that, I would have no idea what I was seeing. Okay. Well, it's turkey slaughterhouse. It's probably right? gross. Yeah, but... Yeah. And it, I it's, I mean, gross. and not just, you know, not just, uh, you know, fresh turkey slaughterhouse waste. This is putrid, rotting turkey slaughterhouse race, waste. Mm-mm-mm. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> being turned into gasoline and, and, well, actually high quality oil. And, uh, I mean, and, the, you know, they're talking about the world's worst stuff, slaughterhouse waste, municipal sewage, old tires, uh, mixed plastics, uh, Pretty much anything, you know, uh, can be made into this uh, oil with this process that uh, that they're developing. And I mean, they're, you know, they back up a truck there and uh, and and, uh, and get out uh, the oil. Now, apparently, they, it, this this oil that they're that they're producing uh, with uh, with this waste um, has to be mixed half and half with uh, you know crude from the ground. In order to be used, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, but uh, the story itself is pretty awesome, and particularly with gas prices the way they are. So, yeah, that's a, it, it's a favorite of mine. One, one of the things I like about this one is that um, what's what's the driver here? There, there's there's two drivers. I, I only wrote about one in the uh, in the better all the time feature, but there's really two drivers here. One is our need for energy. Well, that's going to go on, and the right. other one is our tendency to produce waste. Yeah. Well, you can you can bet on that. anywhere either. So <laughs> yeah. if you can, you make those two things meet in a happy way. Uh, it just seems like that's that's a great 
a great example of, of synchronicity of uh, yeah, you know, making you're, you're, you're making taking a huge, lemons and you make lemonade. Yeah, well, it's worth. I mean, it's better than that. Uh, lemons are pretty cool by themselves. You know, I mean, I, I'll I'll take lemon and uh, I don't know, slice it up and put it in my water. You know, uh, but here you're taking something that has negative value. That's I mean, just you know, this gross stuff that it, it just uh, you know, you you pretty much want to dig a pit and throw it in and cover it up and hope nobody finds it. You know. Um, yeah, you just want to be rid of it. Absolutely. Yeah, you just it's want it out of sight and out of mind. But in, instead, turn, taking something completely negative like this and turning it into a complete positive, uh, that is a cool story. So it's my favorite of the uh, of the stories that were in the Better All the Time from this week. Okay, great. Well, let's continue with that theme. And first, I think I need to say that this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking about evidence that the world is getting better all the time. And if you'd like to join our conversation, you can join us on the online chat or give us a call at 347-215-8972. And now I'm clicking around. I've got to get back to the one I wanted to talk about. Here it is. Uh, continuing with that same theme, so we talked about a potato blight, uh, a nasty little thing which has led to um, a treatment for it, which then led to a, potentially a treatment for Alzheimer's. We talked about disgusting turkey guts, potentially <laughs> providing oil. So continuing with the same theme, something that you don't want, uh, something that um, you would just absolutely like to be rid of, turning out to have a positive application. How about this headline? Growing new ear hairs can boost hearing. And awesome. that's a... <laughs> well, as, as, as I pointed out on a personal note, uh, this was right around my birthday, uh, you know, I'm not exactly old yet, but uh, if there's an upside to growing ear hair... Okay, I'm. Uh, <laughs> You're all for that. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Right. I, I frankly was not seeing an upside to that before I read this. Uh, Obviously, this we're story. talking about inner ear hair here, uh, <laughs> inside the, uh, the inside the ear canal, I guess. Well, yeah, uh, it's it's time about uh, gene therapy on mouse embryos to grow hair cells with the potential to reduce hearing loss in adult animals. Um, so so uh, they, they actually are sensory hair cells inside the cochlea that, uh, that, uh, that give you the ability, uh, an, improved, an improved ability to hear. Um, uh, the, the thing is, at birth, we have about 30,000 hair cells which can be damaged uh, throughout our lives by infections and agings and genetic diseases. And, yes, the, the, the puffy gray stuff that comes out of old guys' heads is not in and of itself going to improve anybody's hearing. I mean, you, you may have noticed that people who are growing visible ear hair are not necessarily the people with the sharpest hearing in the world. But um, the, uh, the, 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 basic, um, the, the basic ability to grow that is, is, is then in place. And, and what, they, what they've done is they've implanted a, um, uh, I believe it was a gene called ATO1, A-T-O-H-1, in the inner ear of the mouse, and that has coaxed non-sensory cells to become hair cells. So we're, we're in, we're, uh, if, if you can grow hair at all, you can grow the, the kind that helps you to hear. At least you can with mice. And uh, as, as we like to assume, you know, th- things that seem to work well for mice, uh, by and large, work well for us. So, so the fact that people can grow hair in their ears as they get older, if you... If you modify that slightly, you tweak that just by one gene, uh, suddenly you have uh, a, a, the, the ability to restore hearing to people who've lost it or whose hearing has been significantly damaged. And again, it's uh, using something that 
uh, we wouldn't normally think of as, as being a tremendously beneficial uh, thing to have hair in our ears, but uh, <laughs> there it is. Well, you know, it's uh, losing hearing as as one gets older. Um, it's it's uh, it's a very isolating thing. Uh, the the older people I I know that are losing their hearing to the point, you know, um, I have a few, a few uh, um, uh, friends who are older who they have a hard time hearing higher pitched voices, and so they they like they like visiting with me. You know, I mean, if ever they you know they're out and they see me, they like talking with me because they can hear me. I have a lower pitched voice, but uh, it, it's it, it becomes it gets to the point where they don't want to be in crowded rooms because it just sounds like a roar, and uh, and and higher pitched voices they just can't hear them. I mean, no matter how how loud you talk, if you have a high pitched voice, they can't hardly hear it. So I mean, this is just a wonderful thing for these people. So yeah, absolutely, very, yeah, it's very a, good. It's terrifically uh, helpful thing, and and I think I think that's a really good point. It's it, you know. It's just a quality of life issue. Um, my own dad has uh, developed some hearing loss over the last uh, last year or so, and um, actually, just hearing aid technology has been tremendously helpful for us. And you know, and when we can get him to wear it, that seems to help quite a bit too. But um, but I've noticed that he's he's more interested in wearing it just because there there is this ability to connect with other people if you can hear them. And I think that's what you're talking about, exactly. which, which you know is just part of the um, uh, just challenges and difficulties that uh, we normally associate with aging, and that we're all in favor, of course, on uh, at the Speculist and on this program for for finding ways of uh, of working past all those things. And this exactly. looks like yet an, another way of doing that. Exactly. All well, right. Well, uh, go ahead. Uh, it's a story you haven't covered in a better all the time, to my knowledge, Phil. But I kind of wanted to bring it in. Um, it's sort of a more of a development. I, I, see if you, if you would consider it a better all the time story. Um, I'm talking about cloud computing. Now, what I, what I mean by that is the sort of computing where it doesn't matter what physical machine you're using, you still have access to your data, your the the, uh, the programs you use. And I guess great examples of, of early forms of cloud computing are blogging. You know, it doesn't matter what you know what uh, machine I pick up. I can I can blog at the Speculist uh, uh, and write stories at the Speculist, uh, regardless of what uh, what machine I pick up. Uh, podcasting uh, uh, with Blog Talk Radio, um, uh, it, it really doesn't matter what machine I'm using. I can uh, podcast. I mean, uh, with with Blog Talk Radio. Uh, web-based email and other web web applications. I remember uh, our, our efforts to use Writely to uh, to uh, jointly write uh, a project or two, uh, Phil. But um, but that's you know that that was purchased by Google and they're trying to make it a uh, a better system. Um, yeah, that, that uh, evolved into Google Documents. That's and right. Now that is a, a much more usable uh, implementation of of that idea, and that and and it is much more. In the cloud now that I think than it, than it was it, it, following that, uh, that 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 whole paradigm of uh, there's my word processor sitting out there in Google Land someplace and I can get to it from uh, this laptop or I can get to it from my computer at work or I can go over and use my wife's Mac or I can get on an iPhone right wherever I am right. I can get to that I can get to that application whatever whatever sets of interfaces I'm using that that thing is sitting there in the cloud and it's available to me. 
And one one uh, thing that this is uh, this is allowing is the development of smaller and smaller machines to access the internet with. You don't necessarily have to have uh, all your processing power locally. If you're dealing with the cloud, all you really need to do is be able to touch the cloud. And uh, they, you know, instead of having full-fledged laptops, people are carrying around uh, new new smaller machines, less power, powerful machines by and large, that are called netbooks. Uh, that's what the category is called, and uh, you know, I mean, it could examples of that could be the one laptop per child machine, uh, Intel's Classmate, uh, the is it the Asus EPC, and other other examples like that. Um, and uh, so, anyway, I, it's just it's it's uh, that is one way I think that uh, uh, really the internet's getting better all the time is to allow us to uh, to carry our data with us if if for example our, our our laptops are destroyed or something. Uh, a, a laptop is destroyed. Well, you just pick up the next machine, and uh, you still have, and you're able to pick right up. It's a, it's a great idea. Um, I ran into a um, a service that I thought was pretty cool. Um, it's called Steam. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. Okay, Steam is a you know let's let's get let's get down to nitty gritty here. This is the uh, this is where the cloud gets important. It's video games, okay? Oh, okay. Well, fine. It's a, yeah. it, it's the internet cloud for video games. Basically, if you you log on to Steam, uh, you know you give them uh, you you create an, an account there, and you buy you buy a video game that you would normally go to the store to buy, and um, you can download it to that machine, or you can download it to any other machine that you happen to uh, to use. And so you know you can eat and uh, you you play it. Uh, you could delete it from your machine if your hard drive gets full and uh, still have access to it later. It's uh, that's cloud computing for video games, and uh, that's you know I, I think it's a, a brilliant con- uh, concept. Uh, now, does, for all software is, really is GameTap the same kind of idea, or you know, I, Michael, are you aware of uh, of that uh, or anybody in the chat room? Uh, because I didn't, I have not used GameTap. Well, I haven't used it, but that was my understanding. It was GameTap is this place where you can go play all these different old arcade games and even new current games, and it's all just there sitting in the web. But uh, I could be wrong. But if, if if it does work that way, that's what, I mean, it's, it's the same idea. Yeah. Yeah, but the, this one that I'm aware of is is called Steam, and uh, you, you, know, you could Google Steam games if you're interested. But it's it's I I just think that's uh, uh, that I think that's where computing is going in the near future. So it's a pretty cool idea. All right. Well, let's move on to some more good news. Actually, I'm going to ask Michael to tell us what's going on in the chat room. Any uh, any good news originating amongst our listeners? Sally's um, Sally has been throwing some ideas out, um, and uh, nothing I would disagree with, and I suspect you guys as well. Uh, for example, the uh, continued uh, uh, I won't say miniaturization, but the shrinkage of actual computing devices and um, the, their, their increased com- computational capability uh, even though they keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, who could disagree? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. That's a good one. What else? Uh, Harvey is saying, uh, the kids and I like Lego Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, and there, I mean, there, this particular service, uh, Harvey, uh, it has all kinds of games, including uh, including uh, the Lego game, various Lego games. So, yeah, check it out if you're interested. All right. Well, I've got another example of a 
good news story. This one is a is a real departure from from the others, uh, but not not completely. Um, this one uh, I, I put under the uh, I put under the heading of Hello Kitty, and the headline here was Lost Cat Returned Home After Nine Years. And I'll just read a little of the Reuters story here. I think this is this is just one of those great little human interest stories. I mean, typically, if you were ever going to see a good news story in the mainstream media, it would be something like this. Okay. Ah, yeah. kitty came home, right? So <laughs> it said, a couple been reunited with their missing cat after nine years, the RSPCA said Wednesday. Dixie, a 15-year-old ginger cat, disappeared in 1999, and her owners thought she had been killed by a car. She was found less than half a mile from her home in Birmingham after a concerned resident rang the animal charity to report a thin and disheveled cat who'd been in the area for a couple of months. RSPCA Animal Collection Officer Alan Pitway checked her microchip and confirmed it was Dixie. She was returned to her owners, Alan and Jilly Delaney, within half an hour. Now, here's, here's what's cool about this story. For one thing, it is just a good old-fashioned, oh, uh, the cat came home story, which is right. sweet. And there's, a, and there's a great picture of the of uh, the lady with her cat reunited, and you go, oh, that's just awesome. And you think, after nine years, you know, what were the chances you'd ever see this cat again? Well, what were the chances they'd ever see this cat again? You know, the cat did its part by getting back into the neighborhood and being very near to uh, its original home, but had not found its way back home. And what was it that got it the rest of the way home? You take the cat to the RSPCA, and bingo, there's a chip. <laughs> it's like the, the microchip, which was registered, is the is the little bit of information technology that got added to this story that that finally enabled this reunion to happen. So this is um, uh, this is a cat reunion. This is a happy pet reunion story that may not have happened in the past. And the reason it might not have happened is because the technology wasn't there to allow the cat to get that extra two and a half blocks home. That cat might have. Uh, uh, been turned over to the RSPCA without the chip, they might have found a home for it or might have uh, sadly had to eventually uh, put it down. But uh, Dixie would never have made it home were it not for that last little, last little bit, like two block distance to get to get back to to get back to her home. And the way that was made possible was through computer technology. Well, now, right. how and, could and, anyone argue that the world's getting better all the time? <laughs> exactly. Well, I think what, what's interesting here is this. You know, obviously, this uh, computer chip is better in in that sense than even you know even a pet tag. I mean, you know, a low tech solution like that because you know nine years into the you know into this cat having been lost, the chip was still present with the cat, whereas the cat would have lost a tag long before. You know, um, right? The the cat had was taken to the to the vet or, or wherever. So, um, you know, that, it, that's part of what makes it superior to something low-tech like that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's just a terrific story about how a little bit of technology uh, provides a huge benefit. And there are probably uh, hundreds of these stories. You never hear them, thousands probably, of people who are reunited with their pets because of these chips. Um, this is just a really dramatic one, so you hear about it because it was after a nine-year separation. But uh, it's just, it, it, it's, it goes again to quality of life, um, whereas before we would have had to have given up on being reunited with these animals. Now we put the chips in, and I think, you know, as often as not, people do get reunited with their pets because they're able to locate uh, whose, whose pet it was. So it's, uh, Sally mentioned something that seems pretty obvious. Why not, uh, you know, if the, what's the next step? A GPS chip so that you can look on your iPhone or whatever and you say, oh, my cat's out, you know, uh, wandering the neighborhood. I see it on this little map here. And uh, you go pick up your cat, you know. 
It'll be Google Pets and Google and Michael saying uh, Google Kids, right? You just go into Google and you put in your kid's name, and then the map will come up and it'll show where your kid is. I think it'll be overlaid onto a satellite image of uh, that address, and you can even get directions for how to get from where you are to where your where your cat is or your, your, your child kid. is. Or <laughs> That's right. Like that. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're winding down here. I'm gonna. I guess we have time for maybe one or two more of these. Uh, Stephen, do you have another favorite uh, good news story from the last few Better All the Times? Well, let's see here. Um, uh, the uh, the, the uh, Large Hadron Collider actually worked. Well, I mean, that, I think that we actually had gotten some bad news uh, in the last couple of days. It looks like it's going to be down for a couple of months. But it, it, these are small small setbacks. Uh, the the thing is, uh, they tested it in the initial tests. It, it was working properly, which means that by and large, after they shake out these small things, uh, we're going to have a... Uh, a, a huge uh, collider that will allow us to, you know, un- uncover some of the uh, uh, remaining secrets to the universe. So, um, yeah, very cool thing. The the story kind of reminds me a little bit of um, remember when Hubble kicked off, right? Right, right. Uh, it, it, Hubble needed glasses, you know. <laughs> yeah. Once yeah. we got a Hubble a contact lens, you know, we uh, uh, we 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 really saw how useful it turned out to be. Um, that's I, I think that's kind of you know we're in the initial stages of uh, uh, of shake initial shakedown, and once and once we uh, solve these few few problems, it'll it'll be awesome. So. Yeah. Well. Cool. I, and and there was this there was this huge out you know furor when uh, um, this outcry if you'll recall when Hubble didn't work right this oh we spent all this money we put this thing up there it's a you know it's a fiasco it's a boondoggle we've we've wasted all this money and it did need repairs and they did it did have to be repaired but can you imagine uh, what our view of the universe would be without Hubble you, you think of the, the the insight that it has given us into what the universe looks like um you know what what the uh what distant objects look like what uh parts of the sky that we've always thought were familiar but now we've got this intensely improved view of it from from hubble i mean you know the 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 skeptics were proved wrong you know a bazillion times over i think with with hubble there's just there's there's no comparison it's one of the greatest investments in science i think that uh that, that has ever been made and i think that um it's gone so far beyond what uh, it's what was thought to be its useful life too. I mean, it can, it's the gift that keeps on giving, and they, uh, even now uh, it's it's continuing to to work long after it was supposed to have. We were supposed to have lost uh, even the ability to control it. You know, absolutely. Uh, and and I think I think the uh, the Large Hadron Collider is going to prove equally uh, useful and equally important to us over time and I, I've got this quote from Stephen Hawking he he had had uh, been quoted as saying that you know not only is it not going to destroy the world it's it's uh, it's it's one of the keys to saving us and and here's a quote from Stephen Hawking he says both the LHC and the space program are vital if the human race is not to stultify and eventually die out together they cost less than one-tenth of a percent of world GDP and then this is a, this is easy to together here. Yeah. If the human race cannot afford this, then it doesn't deserve the epithet human. <laughs> so he's he's talking about the human imperative right there, which we talk about uh, on this program from time to time, which is that we're always reaching out, we're always expanding our boundaries, 
and and changing what it means to be human, changing what our understanding of the world is, and changing how we interact with the world is. And I think that uh, Stephen Hawking has um, has keyed into that with with this quote. He's you know he's saying the space program. Uh, this advanced particle physics, and, and you can throw Hubble in there too, because our, our you know, th- that lended lent so much to our just visual understanding of the universe that that these things are important to taking us to the next stage. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's my last one. Did I do that one, or did you do that? One? Yeah, you did it. I mean, and. Uh, I think uh, this th- we've got so much with better all the time that we ought to make a, uh, just plan to do a part two next week, Phil. Okay, you want to do that? We can pick it up. Yeah. We can pick it up next week, and th- that way also we can uh, we can do another uh, coffee mug competition. We'll ask our listeners, uh, those who are on live with us now, and those who uh, listen uh, to the podcast recording, to start thinking about your own ideas for good news stories, and whoever contributes the best good news story is going to get one of our fast-forward radio coffee mugs. And, in fact, uh, everyone who contributes a story that I use in the next better all the time will get a coffee mug. Put it that way. So, <laughs> Michael Darling uh, is asking, uh, Michael, are you there, <laughs> about the word stupefied. That is the word he used. That's the word Hawking used. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, stultify was that. Stultify, yeah, that was it. Yeah, stop, <laughs> not stupid, stop. So, okay, so everyone be be putting uh, get your feelers out, be looking for good news. Uh we're going to um we're going to have a competition next week and everyone is going to uh give us an idea. And yes, if Senator Obama submits an idea for better all the time or McCain, they're both eligible for this. This is a completely separate competition. Everyone can enter except for uh, you and uh, uh Stephen, you and Michael, you can't enter, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> and I can't. But uh, of course, if they enter the contest, uh, either of them enters the contest, that also will uh, probably uh, win them the other contest too. So, <laughs> good point. Yeah, you know, that's that they'll they'll, win, they'll end up winning two. And wouldn't it be great if they won two and shared one of them with the other one? Wouldn't that just be a great? That's a, kind of a, 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 you know, bipartisan moment. I, I, it, yeah, the cat came home kind of a feeling. You know, you'd get uh, from that kind of a story. <laughs> uh, I'm getting all misty just thinking about it. Okay, so. What do we got music-wise this evening? The name of the band is Modern Science. How's that for a band name? I like it, Modern Science. Yeah. The uh, the title of the song is Every Little Thing. Every Little Thing by Modern Science. This is not uh, the old uh, police song, Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic. It's a different No, song. no, this is a completely different song. A different Every Little Thing. All right. Well, we'll look forward to uh, listening to... Every Little Thing, we're going to look forward to seeing every little thing uh, about this program in your show notes, Stephen, and thank you so much for your contributions this evening. Michael, thanks to you and to all our friends in the chat room and to everyone listening. We look forward to being with you again on the next Fast Forward Radio. Good night.